Welcome to Beyond the Field, a property and finance series powered by Money Empire. The content you are about to hear is designed to educate and inspire you to tick off your property and finance goals. And when we say beyond the field, we mean your field, whatever that may be. Money Empire is an experienced financial advisory firm with over 10 years experience. We deal in this world day in, day out and want to give you, the loyal listener, exclusive access to behind the scenes of the property and finance industry. We've helped thousands of clients with their financial journeys, everything from first home buyers right through to managing clients with extensive property portfolios from New Zealand and abroad. Each week, BTF includes special guest episodes. We chat with industry leaders, entrepreneurs, sports stars, and the stories of everyday people. Now it is your turn to take back control of your future. So kick back and absorb. Welcome back to the Beyond the Field podcast. I welcome back Akash and Nina from 1AML Audit. Um, Somebody didn't hit record. I won't name names, um, but here we are with Nina and Akash back in the hot seat. So to start things off, over to you, Goran. I'm going to throw out some quickfire questions for you. Now you tell me, would you rather be a hobbit or an elf, or a prime minister, well, the prime minister, for 24 hours. Akash? Oh, that's a difficult one. Um, Probably a hobbit, uh, because they (laughs) look like they have a lot of fun. (laughs) Great answer. And what about you, Nina? Um, I'll go with the prime minister, just because... Ooh, ballsy. I like it. I like it. Okay, so, if you could make a rule for a week, one rule, and everyone had to follow it, what would it be? Um. Akish? Um, no one was allowed to lie for one week. Ooh, I love nice. that. Um, endless money for a week. Endless ATM withdrawals oh. from the bank. I like it. I like it. Um, what Simpsons character are you? Probably Mo, Mo Sizzlek. <laughs> yes! I like can't even think of any besides like Bart and Homer okay. right now. So maybe we'll just go with Bart. We'll take Homer or Bart. <laughs> Have you ever sent an email or a text to the wrong person? And if so, what were the repercussions? Um, yes, on a few occasions. <laughs> uh, repercussions. I, I guess someone was copied in there that uh, shouldn't have been, and you can imagine what happened after that. Bit awkward. Yeah. What about you, Nina? Um, no, I'm going to pull my like, Gen Z, Y, whatever I am card and say <laughs> I'm a bit more upskilled with the technology, okay. so I haven't. Fair enough. Awesome. Issa, back to you. Cool, guys. So first and foremost, what does AML stand for? So AML essentially stands for anti-money laundering. Um, and uh, the acronym behind that is money laundering and prevention of money laundering. Fantastic. So let's just strip it back a little bit or to the basics. What is AML? Could you tell us? Uh, Yes. So I guess anti-money laundering is legislation put in place um, to essentially stop uh, money being laundered. Um, And I guess, you know, there's AML and then there's countering financing of terrorism. So yeah, it's to stop money laundering and financing of terrorism throughout the New Zealand economy and wider world. Fantastic. And how long has this been in place in terms of um, the actual legislation? 
So in New Zealand, the the first kind of wave came back in 2013, where all the banks and financial institutions had to sort of get get under this legislation, and then the second wave came in 2018, uh, where all the accountants, real estate agents, lawyers, um, high value dealers then became caught in this legislation. Okay, and tell us. The actual process itself, what does that involve? Um, when will the general public come across this in terms of auditing AML, CFT? Yeah, so I guess, um, you know, who the Act really captures is the reporting entities. So that's the lawyers, the accountants, real estate agents, banks, etc. Um, and so they are the ones that are dealing with, you know, the anti-money laundering legislation. Uh, but in terms of the day-to-day public, that would be, yeah, I guess when you're dealing with any of those institutions, um, okay. you'll be asked to, you know, put forward documentation to prove your identity as well as source of wealth or funds. Sure. So those people like lawyers and, um, sorry, solicitors, real estate agents, do they deal directly with you? Uh, no. So we deal directly with the reporting entities themselves. Um, and so we audit those um, firms as well as creating their documents, but we wouldn't be dealing with the day-to-day public. Okay, okay, cool. Um, could you tell us a little bit about what actually used to happen prior to legislation in terms of um, and, and these processes being implemented? Yeah, I, I guess uh, prior to the legislation, um, you know, it was business as usual, so people were a little bit more relaxed on how people got their money um, and, you know, you hear kind of stories where people are paying uh, for high-value assets in cash. Uh, now it's a lot harder, so, you know, prior to this, it was still happening, but now there's a lot more controls involved. So if someone wanted to pay $4 million for cash, you know, 10 years ago, um, they could do that and there was just no questions asked? Yeah, pretty much. I'm sure a little bag of cash went to the person who they were dealing with, but yeah, it, was, it wasn't a requirement to find out where that money came from. So as an example, if, if, if a New Zealand citizen or a person with a New Zealand passport were to probably or potentially buy an asset from offshore, is there a stringent process around this? How long does it take? Um, and do you have any clients in that sort of scenario? Sure. I mean, uh, of course, it happen, happens all the time. Uh, being a global economy, uh, everyone's buying you know, assets all over the world and, and they can do it. It's just that there's further control. So they'll have to prove to the parties here in New Zealand how they acquired that piece of money initially to purchase that asset and what, what their intentions are, are, the use of that asset and what connection then they have to bring it back here or put other vehicles inside that asset. That's very interesting. And in terms of the verification itself, who needs to be verified? Individuals, companies, trusts, everyone under that umbrella? Or? Everyone under that umbrella. Um, I think you know, as an individual, there's a lot less documents essentially you would have to you know, put forth. Um, but yeah, as soon as you get to you know, the trusts or companies with kind of complex structures, that's when it gets a bit more complex, I guess. It's really interesting to hear it from this point of view because us as advisors, we do um, send tax forms out to clients to fill out, especially um, because all banks require um, tax forms to be completed and signed. So um, getting a little bit more information like this is fantastic, but what kind of information is collected from those entities? So uh, essentially it would be first identifying that entity in itself, um, who's involved, uh, are there any controlling parties not named in that kind of entity structure that have ultimate control, and then essentially where that um, entity uh, obtained its origin of wealth. 
Okay. Um, and the main industries that this is applicable to? I mean, we obviously deal in the, obviously the finance, but apart from apart from that, was that was there anything outside of the little scope that? Um, just anything um, that has a sort of money uh, element to it or transaction of financial means, um, somewhere down the line, it'll be involved uh, part okay. of the AML. Okay, so if I was to go down to the ATM, this is not infinite money from, a, from the ATM machine. If I wanted to withdraw some cash, is there some sort of limit that would red flag or in terms of, you know, give some sort of warning or anything like that? Sure, I mean, if you're going into your own bank and withdrawing um, cash, there wouldn't be a trigger as such. However, if you went back into the ATM and started depositing tens of thousands of dollars of cash, that's when the trigger would alert, and then someone at the bank has to go in and have a look and then see what it's all about. Interesting, interesting. So I can't physically go in there and dump a bucket load of money into my account you, essentially you, you can um and uh you know as long as you've got all the paperwork behind it you'll be fine um just say you sold your you know a hundred thousand dollar car and you had that in cash and then you could prove that it was a sale of a car and that's why you're putting it back into the account then that that would be fine okay, what about something small like an, an inheritance from from nana or yeah i guess if nana's kept her cash under the mattress um i think we've actually come across that if a couple of times the law firms have said, you know, I guess that generation did have a lot of cash. Um, I guess if that was the case, you know, that would be documented in a will or things like that, and that would be, you know, the proof to get that essentially into the bank account. So what if I won a $100,000 instant Kiwi? I, Is that just proof to that you've got that winning ticket and y- that's yeah, how it works? I guess that you know you'd get some sort of documentation from the lottery commission that you know that you are you have won it and they may have wrote you out an initial check. Uh, but yeah, there will be a paper trail somewhere there. I guess the key is that paper trail. Yeah. Um, would you mind telling us a little bit when it comes to buying property? What is the AML process for this? Um, yeah, so I, I guess it would be affected uh, a few times down the chain. So if I took my example, uh, me and my wife were looking to get a house, would first go and approach a bank. Uh, the bank would then uh, AML us, verify us. We would then uh, seek legal counsel to get, get it all, all the paperwork done. The lawyers then on their behalf would do the AML back on us as well. So um, yeah, um, and that's quite a, s- a simple transaction. I'd be AML twice, essentially, by two different uh, reporting entities. Three times, including the real estate agent that you're dealing with. Oh yes, <laughs> thank you, Nina. <laughs> <laughs> um, what sort of technology is used when it comes to verification, and what other technology is used to speed it up? Yes, yeah, so, I mean th- this space um, and the technology pieces. It, it's a growing beast, and you know w- when I started um, in this industry, it was very manual. Someone had to come in with a paper document and, and show someone else, who would then sign it off to say they saw so saw the original copy. But um, we know a few sort of outfits out there that are doing one hundred percent electronic um, verification. So I could be sitting in my desk or anywhere in the world and if I was completing a transaction everything can be now done online with the use of biometrics. That's fascinating particularly when it comes to this day and age. Um, Without giving us any specifics what sort of alerts you to an issue when you're doing an audit or with money laundering with an individual? 
Yeah, I, I guess for us, you know, we, we look at um, the overall framework of a, of a company. So it wouldn't be any specific thing, but if we noticed they, they weren't doing X, Y, Z of a process, that would be a fundamental kind of gap that is missing things. If they weren't picking things up on the back end of it or reporting it, that would be another issue that would come uh, flag, flag to them. Yeah. Yeah, it's such an interesting topic, and we often still hear um, a lot about it every week in the media. So just on to uh, 1AM our audit, just talk to us about who they are, who you are, and your roles within the company. Yep, sure. Uh, so 1AML Audit, we're a full uh, AML CFT consultancy service business. Uh, we help reporting entities, um, you know, initially to get set up, get their frameworks all, all documented uh, and robust processes put in place. We also do the back-end two-yearly, uh, soon going to be three-yearly statutory audits as well. Um, however, we can't do both. It's essentially marking your own work and anything anything in between, so training, um, helping helping individuals kind of um, with guidance, um, advice, things of that nature. Fantastic. In terms of um, the mission and, and the proposition of the company, what, what would that be? Um, yeah, I guess our mission of uh, as a company is to be Australasia's leading uh, AML CFT consultancy firm. Um, so yeah, obviously here in New Zealand at the moment, but once things kind of kick off in Australia and I guess once we can leave the country, um, yeah. Awesome. And, and you've talked a little bit about the services that you provide, but how is an audit actually conducted? Could you just run us a little, was it done in person? Can it, do people have to come in and see you? Do, go, do you go out to see them? Do you, do you meet? Or how is it actually all conducted? Yeah, so I guess there's two ways. Um, we do, you know, a lot of audits on site, so that's when we do go into the offices um, and conduct it that way. I guess during COVID, you know, <laughs> that wasn't an option, and so since then, um, we've really refined the remote audit process, um, which you know just entails, I guess, a lot of digital kind of technology to that. So it's you know doing that video interview with the clients, um, requesting documents electronically. So yeah, I guess we can we can do both um, depending you know where the people are in the country that need the audits. So during level four, you guys were still working in terms of yeah yeah yep. yeah yeah full on. Um, we hired another two people kind of during that lockdown to help with demand. Awesome, awesome. And in terms of the actual fees for your services, how do you guys actually charge? Is it on an hourly basis? Obviously, I know it's case by case, but um, for anyone out there who doesn't know what it costs, you don't have to name a figure, but what does it actually involve in terms of um, the actual fees? Yeah, I guess um, like any other professional services firm, we charge by our time um, and, you know, depending on the nature and size of the business um, is how we kind of price accordingly. So, you know, obviously a, a one, two-man band um, has sort of, um, you know, not as complex processes as a big uh, insurance company or things of that nature. So it's, it's really a time basis. Fantastic. I find the actual... Um uh, the AML side and the auditing really interesting. Um, so, in terms of qualifications or, or getting a degree or getting in, into the direction that you're doing, is there any sort of specific qualifications that one needs in terms of getting um, into auditing? Yeah, I mean, uh, I would always uh, always say that they must have some sort of audit uh, background or knowledge in the processes. Um, you know, uh, working in a big financial institution does help as well. Um, 
I mean, all of us are university educated, but a lot of it is learning on the job. And there are a few courses that one can do to get um, skilled in certain areas, which which also help. Fantastic. And and the actual team itself is it is it a big team? Have you got a small team or? Yeah, I mean, like I started myself about a year ago, um, and then this year Nina was my first hire, and then I've got another four on board, and yeah, just just looking to grow. Awesome, awesome. Explain it to me like I'm a five year old and I'm I'm a client. Why why should I come to Y One AML? What sort of um, um, people should use your business? Yeah, um, I guess explaining it to a five-year-old, we're really cool. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I love it. We we make things super easy. Uh, We don't uh, give you complex jargon. You know, you'll get to understand the process, and we work very collaboratively with with all our clients. Cool. And lastly, to all the listeners out there, where can we find you? Um, Yeah, so... uh, first point of contact would be come visit our website www.1aml.co.nz uh, and there, there's links to our uh, phone numbers uh, email addresses linkedin things of that nature cool um i can confirm we did push uh record today or actually goran did push record today <laughs> so to nina and akash thank you very much for your time again and to all the beyond the field listeners stay tuned for more We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information on this episode and hundreds more, you can visit us at Beyond the Field Podcast on all social platforms. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Now it's your turn to take control and build your empire beyond your field.